Lighthouse Live is pre-recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. We welcome all of you listening internationally via the World Wide Web and our international podcasting network. So good to have you with us. And Elaine, uh, tonight an opportunity to visit with some some friends we've known for quite a while and some new friends as well. Great opportunity. A wonderful ministry uh, that we'll be talking about tonight. And just a reminder, friends, uh, we uh, hold court here normally every uh, Monday evening. At uh, advancing vibrant, court. Community. yes. <laughs> well, not that kind of court. No, it was kind of like kind of like a phrase. No, uh, anyway, we're here, we're here in the front maybe. room of advancing vibrant communities. Uh, just about every uh, Monday afternoon, you're invited to drop by. Uh, Lane often brings uh, refreshments and and good things to eat, which is probably why I show up, right? And uh, anyway, we invite you to come and join us as well for our weekly broadcast. Love to have you uh, here with us. And uh, we want to check right now, though, with uh, some of our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. And uh, Elaine, uh, you know, we often talk about this, how blessed we are here in the United States. And as you look at uh, the world, especially in some third world countries, the church is under persecution. Definitely. And uh, and yet, uh, brave men and women of God are just uh, lighthouses there. And uh, we want to check in uh, with a special uh, note from the Voice of the Martyrs this week uh, about Richard Wormbrand, who is the, the founder of that organization and uh, has a wonderful story. So let's uh, check in now with the Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs presents The Overcomers. Pastor Richard Wormbrand was imprisoned, beaten, and brainwashed for 14 years in communist Romania for his faith in Jesus. While in prison, Wormbrand spent three years in solitary confinement. There he memorized and preached sermons to himself. Later he recorded this encouragement for the church that still challenges us today. Brothers and sisters, I want you to fight for the triumph of righteousness and love that is for the triumph of Christ on earth. Don't choose the easy way, but the way of the cross. Clothe yourself in Christ with all his virtues and so fight. Wormbrand founded the Voice of the Martyrs, a ministry which continues its vision today of serving those who are persecuted for their faith in nations hostile to the gospel. Call 888-477-0085 to learn about the Voice of the Martyrs' work with those who suffer for Christ and ways you can help, or log on to persecution.com. Don't you love that, how he uh, wrote and preached sermons to himself, you know? I do that, but for different reasons. I can't get an audience, but that's a whole other different... uh, (laughs) 
That's a different story. Anyway, uh, again, welcome here to Lighthouse Live. Pastor yes. Mike Douglas with you, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, uh, with us as well. Just let me remind our friends, before we go to our uh, weekly update from Brad Dacus and the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad will be out here for a special seminar. Uh, this will be coming up on Tuesday, January 23rd from 10 to about uh, 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and uh, it's a, a complimentary lunch if you want to join us. And Brad will be talking about legal issues involving ministries and churches. Going to be a great time. We have a, a certain amount of seats that are reserved for pastors in the area, but we would love for you to come as well. We do have some uh, extra seating, and if you are interested in hearing Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute, please give us a call, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571, and we'd be uh, just thrilled uh, to be able to reserve a seat for you. Uh, let's check in now with Brad in the Pacific Justice Institute. Well, Brad Dacus, welcome back to Lighthouse Live. Interesting case uh, right here in California of someone who had been working a long time at a, uh, a government, a county agency, all of a sudden transferred to uh, Sundays, and a little difficulty there uh, trying to be able to worship uh, because of the work schedule. Tell us how that shook out. Sure, Michael. You know, uh, we at the Pacific Justice Institute work really hard to defend people of faith, um, particularly those who work for the government, where most of the problems seem to be occurring uh, for people of faith. And uh, this lady was no exception. She, you know, she'd been there for 20 years uh, working for this county agency uh, right across from San Francisco, and that uh, they wanted her to uh, no longer have Sundays off. They wanted to force her to work every Sunday and, uh, and therefore not be able to go to church. Um, even though she'd been never had to work through Sundays before. And then when she complained, uh, Michael, they, they told her that, uh, okay, you can have one Sunday off a month, but that one Sunday has to be counted as vacation time wow. uh, against her vacation time that she built up. So that was not reasonable. And, she, of course, she contacted us at the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, we, we sent a demand letter to, the, to that county making very clear that they're violating her rights under Title VII. And needless to say, they quickly backtracked and uh, decided to do the right thing and, and accommodate her and allow her to go to church. And all it took was a, a demand letter to make that happen. Uh, that's right. And, you know, we shouldn't have to be able to, have to send out those kind of demand letters. Uh, but, um, you know, you're dealing with people with that kind of a philosophy, that kind of an attitude, um, then, uh, you know, that's, that's what you have to do. You have to use the law instead of just reason and common sense. Well, another great way that uh, you're serving uh, California, you're serving the nation and the Lord, Brad. We appreciate that so much. And we have the opportunity to see you in person coming up here January 23rd here in Modesto. been telling a lot of people about that. Look forward to it, and I know that you're going to bring a, a lot of wisdom and probably a, a lot of eye-opening uh, uh, new revelations to uh, some of our pastors and lay leaders here in the Modesto area as you come to talk about some of the legal issues facing the church. Oh, yeah, we're really excited about it. Myself, along with uh, at least uh, one of our attorneys on staff, probably Chief Counsel Kevin Snyder, uh, attorney, and uh, uh, it's going to be very constructive and very helpful, and uh, it's uh, worth a gold mine, but uh, we're not charging. So uh, it's, I think people will be very impressed with uh, just the overall presentation as well as the, the substantive material. Brad, we'll give the numbers here in just a moment. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're uh, busy on the road, and uh, we thank you so much for all that you do, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Oh, thank you. Take care. 
And friends, that number for the Pacific Justice Institute, one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine. That's one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine. And of course you can also log into their website at www.pacificjustice.org. That's www.pacificjustice.org. Dot org. That's going to be a great uh, time. Isn't that'll it? be a oh, wonder, yeah. you know. And his testimony, oh, you know, we need powerful. to we need to repeat that here on this program. Uh, I mean, he absolutely captivates an audience. He pretty much was functionally dead oh, as unreal. a teenager, mm-hmm. and uh, then became an attorney. And he's just an absolutely incredible testament to the grace of God and how he's used this man in such an incredible way to uh, uh, help increase the kingdom and also help to. Uh, um, help the cause of Christ in in, in the courts, look, which is a daunting task. Yes, isn't it? In, indeed, and and we just look forward to having Brad here, and hope that our uh, listeners and, and the pastors in the area will uh, be there as well. Let's take a look at the United Way's Lend a Hand list for this week, where you can volunteer at the Arthritis Foundation and share your planning and office skills there. Uh, volunteers needed throughout the Modesto location to provide uh, clerical duties, answering phones, mail that type of thing, and uh, train also to become a certified arthritis self-help program instructor, kind of conduct interactive classes for people with arthritis to gain uh, a knowledge of how to better manage the disease. And uh, volunteers should be familiar with the arthritis through personal knowledge. Many of us are, or maybe a family member has arthritis. Now, the mission of the Arthritis Foundation, of course, is to support research to find the cure for and prevention of that disease to improve the quality of life for those affected by arthritis. Or you might consider the Delta Blood Bank, where you can uh, serve refreshments and visit with donors following their blood donation. You got that? Blood donation. Oh, they'll have to catch me first. <laughs> catch huh? me if you can. Huh? Uh, people-friendly volunteers are needed to make donors feel comfortable and appreciated before leaving the blood bank. And, and friends, this is a great thing. Now, training is provided and volunteers are certified. Uh, the Delta Blood Bank is a not-for-profit blood center that uh, provides all of the blood and blood components for patients in 18 hospitals in Central California. That's a very good thing that they do. And, and donate blood is a very good thing as well. Well, you know, you, you don't realize how important that mm. is until you need it or a family member needs it. Indeed. You know. The Reading Works Adult Literacy Program needs volunteers to teach adults to read and actually change their future by opening doors through reading. Uh, reading Works is providing a tutor orientation that's coming up Wednesday, November 15th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at the Modesto Library Downstairs Auditorium. And that's followed by a tutor training on Saturday, November 18, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and that's in Modesto. Uh, if you're interested, you're asked to pre-register by November 12th. That's coming up quickly. And uh, Reading Works is a partnership of the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literacy Center, providing free literacy services to adults who need to improve their basic academic skills. And friends, if you have any questions on any of these opportunities to serve, please call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. You can always give us a call here at ABC. We have many opportunities also to share with you and uh, be glad to help you with any questions that you may have. We're at 209-544-9571. We also want to remind you that coming up on Monday, November 20th, ABC and Lighthouse Live will be hosting a special Thanksgiving time together. We're so excited about this. This is for volunteers, uh, for those 
who have been served, maybe other agencies and uh, other ministries, organizations, friends, family, foes. We don't care. Just come and <laughs> share with the world what it is that your heart is thankful for. And we'll have open mic night, as we say, and, and just share some turkey and maybe a little bit of pumpkin pie. And just uh, I'm set, open to that. I'm yes, open to that, too. Yeah. You bet. Bring the whipped cream. So set aside uh, a moment on Monday, November 20th, starting at 5 p.m. Uh, we'll be right here at our office at 422B Coffee Road in Modesto, and we'll be glad uh, to have you join us. By the way, for those of you who haven't been here before, it's right uh, just as... Uh Coffee Road ends in a T intersection at uh, at Scenic, and we're under a big sign that says "Quality Communication." Those are the folks the, that own the building, and so look for that big sign in the sky there that says "Quality Communications." Just just <laughs> before the end of uh, Coffee Road and Scenic, and we'd love to have you join us. Absolutely, we are truly thankful, and I, I tell you what that that pretty much uh, describes our guest tonight. How blessed we are to partner with the Ministry of the Vine House in Modesto, and, and uh, b- before we introduce uh, Cheryl Van Horn, who directs all of the goings-on over there at the Vine House. Let us just say that recently Cheryl was uh, honored with uh, the Christian Public Servant Award. And we Amen. just want to, Cheryl, we want to thank you, uh, everybody here at ABC, for uh, the inspiration and the example that you are in our community. We just want to thank you. and. Uh, uh, Thank you, Elaine. Absolutely. Glad that you're here tonight. I know you've had a very busy week and, and just appreciate your time as well. And uh, we love you, and, and, and we know that Christ taught us to be servants, and you just uh, exemplify uh, his model for that. And we just appreciate that. He communicated uh, on your heart a special way to serve, and you, you do that with the Vine House. Maybe tell us a little bit about how that came about. Well, it came about back in 19, about 97 when I kept seeing these people with the little signs, well, work for food, whatever. And it was like, I didn't want to pass them by thinking that they might really need food, knowing, you know, from statistics show that, you know, 90% of them make over 40000 a year, which is way more than I was making, more, way more than I'm still making. But at the same time, I wanted to be able to do something to be able to help people, provide an avenue for, for help without giving into their, their dependency or codependency with them in whatever addiction they might be in. So just through a lot of prayer, I, I quit my career, and then I kind of did a no-brainer kind of a job for a couple years. And then I uh, was came on with Medical Ambassadors, which is now LifeWind. Um, and just basically it was kind of like, well, you raise your own support, so just you know do what you want to do. Because they're really more of an international, third-world-oriented focus with a strategy called community health evangelism. But it, it could work here in the United States, too, I knew. So anyway, after a lot of prayer and then not too long after that, I first went on with them. Before I was making any, any money, with the flood of Modesto happened, which was in 96, late 96, early 97. So that's when I kind of took a sabbatical right away and took a year off and basically went to work for what was called the Greater Modesto Area Churches that kind of came together as a conglomerate to help rebuild the homes of homeowners that were displaced from their home. And so we, together with CWRC and a lot of different um, volunteer, a lot of volunteers from the area, we were able to aid in the rebuilding of 138 homeowner-owned homes wow. and get those people back into their homes. So that was kind of the beginning, and then I, that really sparked my heart for the west side of Modesto, which is a very impoverished area of our of our city, of our community. And so I realized that that was probably the area that was God was leading me to focus in. So we just kind of began praying. I knew we were going to need a presence on the west side, some kind of a presence, because you don't just go over there as somebody that's not from the west side and start yes. knocking on doors and you know getting bit by dogs and everything else that can happen. So we were praying literally within a couple weeks. A, a pastor that was getting ready to retire, he had a home over there, a house on the very corner of a the street there. Um, called 
Uncle Charlie's group home, and he was housing uh, high-risk juvenile boys right out of juvie, and they were just really high-maintenance boys, and he'd been doing that for like eight years, and he was tired of it. He was getting ready to retire from it. And so he just said, do you have any, any need to use a house over here? And it was like, well, hello. <laughs> this is totally from God. So we took up on that and uh, took a, about a year and a half to renovate it. Took about another six months or so to get it zoned properly to be able to do what we wanted to do. And we began, we opened in the beginning with a coffee house because right then Starbucks was just getting popular. And I thought, well, that's cool, but there's no way Starbucks is going to go over here because people can't afford anything. So a coffee house was our idea. So we had a five-day-a-week coffee house. In the beginning, we've cut it back simply because people were kind of looking upon it as a breakfast house because we have, you know, donuts and mm-hmm. donated um, pastries and stuff. So we're, we cut it back to two days a week, which is what we're currently doing. Two days a week coffee house. We have a men's Bible study, a women's Bible study, a community Bible study, a good news club for the kids each week, and just a lot of different activities that are going on there now just to reach out to the homeless, the, the addicts, whether it be drug, alcohol, prostitution. Prostitution happens right in front of our face all the time. And it's very sad that we're just we're reaching we're reaching one life at a time at the heart level. You wow. know, uh, Cheryl, there's a wonderful lesson here in, in terms of when we sometimes we have the best of intentions to go into an area and uh, and affect it for Christ, but there's a process involved of becoming part of the community and gaining the trust exactly. of the neighborhood. Talk to a little bit about that dynamic and how important that is in terms of communicating the. Uh, authenticity and the reality of the gospel it's funny you should bring that up because in the beginning for probably there was actually another lady and myself began so there's these two little ladies i in hindsight now i probably would have never done it but it's a good thing i didn't know then what i know now because i wouldn't have done it but we started this coffee house and for like six months we were looked upon as a sting thing or a cop shop or a plant because it's like these two little ladies are offering Mm. all this stuff for free that just doesn't happen and it took a lot of time before People would believe in us that we were just simply there for the Lord. Everything was free. Hugs were free. You know, <laughs> smiles were free, and so was the food and coffee. And so it took a while, but we were—we really had some hurdles there because we were not—we were not looked upon too favorably because we did not belong in the community. We did not—we were not local members of the community. And they knew that, but it just—it just took time. But you know, the Lord has really broken down those boundaries, and now people come there and they'll tell us about—you know—they're wanted. They have this felon. They have that felon. They're. They've murdered people, whatever. They, we, did, they have a very, we have a very open trust level with the mm. community now. And not just the, the homeless population, but also the, the people that are running other churches and ministries as well. We have a good, a good communication and rapport and, and trust level within them, too. And it takes time to build it that trust. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to build trust, especially when a lot of trust has been broken down, not yes. necessarily by us, but by other groups that have come in, done a project, and the, the grant runs out or whatever happens, and they're gone. So they, the one thing we heard a lot in the beginning was, how long are you going to be here? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be here as long as God keeps us here, and we celebrate seven years next year, next that's month. That's great. So, um, awesome, awesome. This month, next week, I mean. So, so it's coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. So Congratulations. As long as the Lord allows it, we're going to continue doing what he's called us to do there. We that longevity is yes. so important, yes, isn't it? Is. it? You know, I one of my phrases is hit and run evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just I just think that, uh, you know, that, that it is so important to develop the relationship mm-hmm. with the community and to stay there. You know, if we're going to do something, we need to be there consistently and we need to be there for the long term. And that's when that that trust develops and, and really our, our words start to mean things for the community. It does. That's exactly right. It's just, just being there the long term. They didn't get into these positions of life overnight. Drug That's addiction right. isn't something you wake up and say, I'm going to be a drug addict today. Mm. It's something that happens over the course of time, and the same thing happens in reverse. When you try to come out of it, it takes time. There's a lot of steps forward, a lot of steps back in the process before someone really is, you know, truly 
I don't know if you're ever completely rescued from the addiction process, but at the same time, you can be t- totally healed with the Lord. Well, you know, and and many, only with the Lord. Right. Amen to that, Cheryl. Many times, many of these people who come to the fine house in their lives, it's been a pattern of no one being there, uh, you know, with that mm-hmm. consistency and that longevity that that we speak of. We, um, we commonly hear, you're the only friend I have. You're the, the only family I have. This true. is my family. And we're like, wow, we don't even hardly mm. know you. And you're considering it. But they don't have anybody in their life that's been a positive model. When you hear their stories, it just breaks your heart because as adults, they don't have anybody that's ever taught them finances, how to live a clean and sober life, how to be responsible, how to handle what little money they might have. And so they're just they're basically just living a replica of the life that they've seen before them. And the kids we're dealing with, many of the kids, they see a ton of abuse in the home. They see drug abuse in the home, alcoholism. They're beaten. They see sex right in front of their face. It's just very sad. And this is the next generation coming up if somebody doesn't get in there and help them to realize it doesn't have to be that way. Another interesting element to your particular uh, story and involvement here, Cheryl, is that a lot of times when people uh, come into an area with drug and alcohol addiction and they serve that that population they have that in their background they are recovering themselves and mm-hmm. and that's not the case in your in your situation for me personally for you personally no i was not this is no. this is why it's so strange that yes. god should have me there but no i've not been a drug addict or alcoholic or any of that kind never even smoked a cigarette never even took a puff of a cigarette for myself and but that doesn't mean i came from an incredibly functional home either my home was a good moral home but not a christian home mm. and so that that was lacking so i did i did have to learn that as as a later in life i guess you'd say but um, it's just incredible how God has me there. And even though I can't empathize and sympathize with the people as much as I would like to, I th- God is using me somehow just to be able to be an encouragement and to help people to realize that they don't have to stay in that, that walk of life. He has given you an incredible uh, dose passion. of compassion and yeah. passion for, for these people. And that's, uh, that's what it takes. You touch a lot of lives. I, I watch people literally give up their spouse, their job, their house. I even watched one lady sign on the line for her kids, just to sign her kids off so she didn't have to have any responsibilities and could just chase the dope. Mm. And she's still doing that today, wow. no, yes. making no effort whatsoever to get the kids back. And mm. she's probably lost them completely to the system now. has to break your heart. It and just breaks just... my heart, especially for the kids, but even for them just seeing that the bondage is just incredible. It absolutely consumes your every thought. And I brought Bob along with me today because he's, he's our, our caretaker at the Vine House now. He's come a long ways. He was one of the first ones that ever walked into the Vine House and... Um, He's got a testimony that'll probably be definitely worth listening Just to. Just blow your socks off, and we're so glad that. Bob, hi, Bob. <laughs> How you doing? Tonight? We're doing great, and so happy that you've joined us. Now, I know that the, a lot of lives have been touched by what happens uh, on that corner of Vine and um, Martin Luther King, and uh, so happy that yours is one of them. And uh, if you would just share your heart tonight, how it came to be, and and maybe uh, some of your background, because we have a lot of listeners that. Uh, well, uh, to begin with, <clears throat> on the day the Vine House uh, was setting out flyers, um, they set this little flyer on my fence. And uh, it was just, you know, come join us at the coffee house, free coffee and donuts. Well, I figured, hey, this is for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> free, free donuts, food. yes, yes. Yeah. But uh, as, I, uh, as I went down and I was on my way to my Connections house, and I had been in a chemical addiction for over 36 years, and I live right in the heart of, uh, well, I call it the armpit of Modesto, because that's where it all happens. It's the drug addicts, it's prostitution, the killings, the muggings, uh, the selling of dope, uh, the whole nine yards. And I went down there, and the uh, <clears throat> first thing that I opened up the door is this two, there's two very nice ladies that go on to, well, welcome, you know, and they gave me a hug, and I just backed away. Nobody's going to do this, you know. <laughs> 
I'm in a drug addict, okay? And I'm in a different frame of world than these people are. What do you want from me? Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. First thing you want, you know, I have no money. You know? <laughs> but uh, it wasn't about that. <clears throat> it was about sharing the Word of God, but not at the beginning, you know? Uh, I remember the first thing that uh, one of the things that Cheryl had told me uh, when she, she greeted me is, you know, that Jesus loves you. Oh, yeah, well, I've been down that road before, right? You know? Mm. But after the first day, mm. I sit with these ladies and, and I shared my life with them. They just have an opportunity, just like an open, opening a can. You just pour that to them, right? Because I felt a bond, a trust, safe. A comforting, safe, you know, sort safe of speak. Thing. And, of course, and I was still in my addiction, and I, and I was open to them about my life. But as I grew to know them more, my book, my life became more apparent to them. You know, I was, you know, transparent to everything that has ever happened or occurred in my life. I've shared with Cheryl because it's a bond of trust, as you said, building a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it took a while for me to overcome uh, what's going on here. You know, I'm not sure what this is about. But as I something kept drawing me back. It was, just wasn't one day. I have been there <clears throat> since 1999, November 16th. Other than when I worked at a San Salas County Recovery Center, I've been there every day uh, that they were open. Uh, not only did I participate in the men's Bible study, the community Bible study, I, uh, I worked at San Salas County Recovery Center after two years of being clean and sober. They offered me an opportunity to uh, help others. And uh, from guidance through Cheryl and Samita, Samita was her f- co-founder, I have found uh, an opportunity to turn my life around, mm-hmm. an opportunity to give back what was so freely given to me. Uh, as I said, I never left the community. The only way you're going to uh, with, overcome your drug addiction is through Jesus Christ. Amen. You have opportunities to go through treatment programs. They have opportunities to leave the neighborhood, but the trail follows. You never get away from it. The only way you're going to physically, mentally, and spiritually withstand your drug addiction is through Jesus Christ. I'm coming up on seven years clean and sober. Praise you know, God. And through Praise Divine God. House Ministry, through the teachings of the ministry, yes. and opening up my heart to God on October of 2000, just 11 months after Divine House had opened up, I turned my life over to God. And I told him, here it is, do with what you will. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what his plans were, yet I still don't. I, I'm still opportunities that are available to me. But I, uh, I took two years after that clean time, and I went to work for Stanislaus County Recovery Center to help others in my, my situation. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for about two years, and uh, the opportunity came to me to come back to Divine House uh, because I had the resources, I had the experience, I had the street knowledge Mm -hmm. to use and utilize it through the ministry. I would like to specialize in chemical addiction, alcoholism, recovery, and aftercare planning. And that's what I generally specialize in through the clients that come to Divine House because I'm part of that. I was on their side of the fence, so to speak. And, you know, I, uh, I brought uh, a lot of my friends who thought this was a sting operation. They said, no way. It can't be. These people are just too nice, you know. And they got hot chocolate and coffee and donuts. All the goodies, and, uh, yes. All the good stuff, you know. <laughs> Free. So as, as it was, it, uh, as I could break it down in briefly, 
everybody who thought the ministry or there was a sting operation are now seen as sober. Mm. Through that ministry that we not only uh, spiritually support them, but physically. And when they go into a drug treatment program, we're there for them. I have uh, some sponsorees that I'm sponsoring, gentlemen, that when they go back or relapse, then I, it's not what you do. It's what you do about what you did. Mm. Stand up and brush yourself off and get back into the program. Uh, we have uh, one of our volunteers. He's, he's a great guy. And he's been to the program three times. It's not very, any choice of his. It's just sometimes he gets and he's he stays alone all the time and he gets him bogged down into his idleness and he needs to be more socializing. But it it overcomes and you know we understand that. But he's a he's a love the Lord. He's a, and matter of fact he did the men's ministry this afternoon oh, okay. because uh, our our other coworker uh, is in vacationing in Oregon. So and uh, he's a great guy, you know. And he's one of the guys that you you look back and say it's not what you've done, it's what you do about what you've done. And he's the kind of guy that does that. He's just a great guy. But I've been there as I'm going on well. As a, she said, I'm the caretaker. I love my uh, physician there. I take care of the yard. And it and, shows. Yes. You know, it's, it's the house, the ministry. I, I try to stay involved. I am become a member of Big Valley uh, Grace Church here just recently after going there about, about five years. You know, so it's just, you know, and I do Celebrating Recovery with uh, Scott Miller at just uh, Big Valley Grace. And, you know, it's just an awesome awesome opportunity for those you know one of the things that you probably uh experience as you help these other people get through their their addictions well uh, I, I do the best that i have to cook with you know yes. number one is trust in god mm-hmm. number two you can't do recovery without jesus christ that's right because he is the strength the power and the one that's going to stay focused on that's if you right keep focused on jesus christ in your recovery you're going to stay clean and sober. That's right. And you know what? And through it all, aren't we glad that he never lets go of us? Here's Matt Redmond's song. It's called You Never Let Go on Lighthouse Live. And we'll be back with more. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle, of the storms of this life I won't turn back I know you are near And I will fear no
Glad he doesn't. You never let go. That's Matt Redman on Lighthouse Live. That's from the Everything Glorious CD. Wonderful stuff. Along with Pastor Mike Douglas, Elaine Harlan, and our wonderful friends from the Vine House, Cheryl Van Horn and Mr. Bob Hicks. So glad to have you here. You know, Bob, as we think about your testimony and all that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought you through, he doesn't bring us through this life without heartbreaks and hardship, does he? You get to experience that and all the feelings that go along with it, don't you? That's true. Uh, without without uh, the hardships, uh, how can you how can you understand and feel His presence? Because it's through through His guidance, trials and tribulations are headed your way. You know, because that's what that's what your faith is about. You know, you put your faith and trust in God. My problem was thinking: Is He thinking for me, or am I thinking? Nine out of ten times I figured it out that he's the one in control. Absolutely he is. And I've watched you personally move through times that your family members have hardships and heartache and loss of lives, and yet you remain steadfast and a light for them, particularly I'm thinking of your sister right now. Yeah, my sister's uh, she's struggling with the death of her son. He passed away in July of age. He's just 41 years old, and... You know, I, I encourage her to give to God. Uh, yesterday was his birthday, and uh, she is, uh, wanted to go out and buy him a birthday card. Makes no sense to me, but that's what was on her heart. So I am encouraging her to to come back and get him back into church mm-hmm. and, and and put it on the put it on God's hands. It's the only way you're going to get through it because yes, we I miss him and I love him. But he's in a better place. He's no longer suffering. He's no longer in pain. Uh, when he passed away, he weighed about 60 pounds, and he was oh, about wow. six foot four. Mm. So his life and his body was through, you know. And I thank God for taking him when he did. Mm. I thank God that he, he's in a better place. And I had the opportunity to 
bring him to the Lord. Yes, in, in amen. June, June 6th of this year, and he passed away July 13th. But there's many opportunities that Cheryl uh, will tell you that over the past four years prior to his death that uh, he's been leaning towards the Lord, trying to get connected. And when they told him that he was terminally ill, that there was no reversing in his in his life, that uh, he, he questioned me. We talked several times. I prayed with him constantly. And in the last couple of months, I took him to the, what we have is a How to Be a Whole Person booklet. And it goes through that uh, you, what unique people are, and God sees you as unique, and He loves you, and... and he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and his life began to change. His lifestyle, is a, he was gay, he was a drug user, and uh, it was continued that, uh, in his surroundings, in his bedroom. It was different. It was so much different. I can't explain it. It was just the presence of the Lord, I imagine. Amen. And you know, this is the type of thing that you see day in and day out at the Vine House. And Cheryl, you have to just be blessed beyond measure to have Bob there at the Vine House with you and just to see uh, what the Lord is doing in and through his life. Yeah, he is. He's a real blessing. And not only have, I know, the Vine House been a blessing to him in his life and turning his life around, but he's been a blessing to us, especially to me, not understanding the street language, not understanding that when somebody goes on vacation, to me that means they go to Hawaii or something fun, but in the street life it means you go back to jail, back mm-hmm. to prison. Wow. And just a whole lot of connection. You know, if I have a connection, meaning I have a contact for you to get in touch with, that means I have a drug connection. So I was using all the wrong words and people were laughing at me, and he's, <laughs> he's helped me to understand a lot of street lingo and just... You know, I'll say, Bob, is she high? What kind of drug is she on? He'll, he'll look at her eyes and tell me what's going on. So then I kind of know if they're coming up, going down, whatever's happening. He's been a, a great help for the street dumbness that I have had. No, no, no. You did the nice lady with the cookies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And the hugs. And the, you know, the very warm heart. Bob, very interesting. Earlier on, you were talking about the fact that uh, when uh, Cheryl said, Jesus loved, loves you, your reaction was, nyaha, here we go again. Um, prior to the Vine House, what types of experiences did you have with uh, the Christian community? And uh, what, what, what can you share with our listeners about making meaningful contacts and not the kind where you're selling drugs? Meaningful contacts today or then? But then... There was no contact. My life was endless. I didn't know what day of the week it was. Mm. I didn't know if it was Monday or Friday. You know, uh, the only day I did know was on payday. Uh, you know, you get your money. You know, and what you didn't know the connection you spent. Mm. So then the next, and two days later, you're back to the same routine you was prior to your check. Mm-hmm. So you go out and hustle or whatever. Today, it's a different world. It's completely different. I. Thanks to Cheryl, she taught me some good, unique trades. You know, one was how to manage a, a checkbook. Mm-hmm. One, who, one who never had a bank account, and it was, you know, I don't know anything about checkbooks. I never had money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Today, I, I have a savings. Uh, it's not a big one, but it's mine, you know. Yes. And I know how to budget my checkbook. And I, you know, I still use a, a little calculator, but I get it right, you know. So I'm not broke at the end of the month, you know. But I've managed, managed to manage, uh, managed to money, <laughs> managed to my money at the end of the month, you know. And those are these are things like today, you know. Uh, who would have thought seven years ago that I'd go down a boat? Okay, yes. I'm a voter. I'm an American citizen. I, my voice can be heard today. Yes. You know, I live. Uh, I think I live a pretty productive life because uh, through the ministry of the Vine House, I am retired. I, I live on a Social Security check, so it's very minimal, but it, it's functional. It's what I need, and I have all I need. 
Uh, I've been blessed with the, the caretaker of the Vinehouse Ministry. But most of all, is the rewards are seeing some of the people that come to the Vinehouse want to change their lives. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. There's my key because I have that experience. I have the, the, I have the uh, resources to utilize to get them into a program. And while they're taking their time to find their life back through the ministry, not only through the ministry as we support them physically, emotionally, and socially, but to understand that we know their needs. I've been there. I know their needs. And as, as Cheryl and Samita were beginnings of the Vine House, it was kind of like when I go there, it's like a school class, you know, <laughs> teaching them. I said, what are you women thinking? You know, coming over here in the west side of Modesto, and, you know, they're, you know, they're both you know, so naive, not streetwise. So part of that ministry was to teach and to teach them, you know, the ins and outs of the people. What to look for, what to expect from them, you know, because they'll just use you to no ends. I mean, drug addicts are very useful people. They will drain you, man, if you're not aware of their reactions, you know. Mm. God brought you and and Cheryl uh, and the other lady together to partner together. You learn from one another. You have resources that they can use and vice versa. And that's one of the things we here at ABC love about the partnership that we have with you guys. I've been over to the Vine House where you're conducting Bible studies and you'll have a, a lady there who Cheryl will call and say, uh, or, or Bob say that we have a, a lady here going through uh, the Vine House program or Bible study who needs a washing machine. Do you recall that? Mm-hmm. And we came over and you were having a Bible study. It was just so cool to see you know, what goes down there uh, on this piece of property and, and uh, that we could network with you. And, and through the donations of our volunteers, uh, she received a washing machine. In fact, John, who's here with us uh, tonight, John went over and hooked up the washing. Do you remember, John? You're looking at me like this. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> we, we took it over and you hooked it up for her and um, and she was set. And, and it was a, a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and through God, uh, she was provided for. You just don't even realize how much that means to a single mom with kids mm. when the washing machine breaks yeah. and somebody mm. has no money literally lives on 535 a month and when that washing machine broke she was devastated and so that was just like she really saw the lord in that and just it's amazing how the different ministries in our community are working together and helping one another and one thing i want to add to bob in, in talking about his finances he's doing a great job he's one of the few that could even handle any money at all let alone a checkbook but in the last year and even currently he's he's now tithing and he's almost up to 10%. He's working his way up there. And I think the Lord is really going to begin to bless beyond measure when, when he gets to that point. And it, he has already, for that matter. He's blessed him a lot. But he's, he's, just, he's absolutely doing all the right things and just growing and seeking the Lord and trying to understand more every day. It used to be whenever he'd hear words, they'd go over his head, he'd let them fly by. Now it's like, hold on, what does that word mean? And he'll stop the Bible study and we'll, we'll tell him what it means. And he's a great encouragement to those around because so, so many people don't, don't seek the Lord with all their heart. You know, the Lord wants us to seek him with all of our heart, not just part of it. What an inspiration. Bob, what would you say to people who may be struggling right now and listening to you and hearing your story maybe for the first time? What would you say to them? Well, if they're out there struggling in their addiction, uh, the Vine House Ministry is open to them. We're at 523 Martin Luther King Boulevard. Our base number is 577-1863. I specialize in chemical addiction, alcoholism, recovery, and aftercare planning. Uh, not, not only that, it's just uh, the Word of God. Uh, 
That is the st- that is the basic tool for anyone in recovery is looking to God, uh, the strength and power to overcome any addiction, no matter what it is, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's eating too much, or just going out and spending money crazy. You know, uh, it's, it's, everybody has an addiction. Uh, I think Cheryl has an addiction of working too much. You know? <laughs> She's a workaholic. You know? That's you a know? whole other show. <laughs> yeah, but it's still an addiction you know, because she's continually doing the same thing, you know, mm. but she's serving the Lord. Yes. She's out, I mean, it's not like she's just having a good time with it because she is. She's having a good time serving the Lord. And that's where she gets home at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Sometimes, you know, I can only imagine, you know, for Roger, her, her husband as well, she'll be home maybe. You know, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you, once you become involved in a ministry, I thought I was a busy man before. I have just never ends to it. But it's not that you have to do it. It's that God is drawing you to do it. Yes, you know, yes. that, that's the difference. You that's know, that's right. what the rewards are. That's right. We're with Bob and Cheryl from the Vine House, and we'll be back with more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. 
ABC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work and I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, Cheryl Van Horn, and Bob Hicks of the Vine House on the west side of Modesto doing a great ministry and a great work there, just ministering and affecting the lives of a lot of people. We just want to appreciate uh, the work that you guys are doing there. What are the hours of the, the Vine House? Uh, what were the hours of operation, Cheryl, that people might consider? Well, we have on Monday and Wednesday mornings, we have Coffee House in the morning. Tuesday mornings, we have women's Bible study. Every other Thursday, we do our volunteer. We do an ongoing volunteer training. And on our Fridays, we have community Bible study. Those are all in the mornings. And in the afternoons, we have Good News Club for the kids. One day a week and then different. We have a prayer group that meets there on Monday nights. Different things happen. Uh, men's Bible studies on Thursday nights. Different things happen all the time. So there's just a lot of different things. And we do a lot of one-on-one discipleship with people that, you know, are going through crisis or whatever. So we're in the homes a great deal of the time, too. It's a busy week. Now yeah, you, you said, never the same. You said the V word, which to me is volunteers. Yeah. Talk about the volunteers, the need for them, and what you do there. Well, volunteers are the crux of our ministry because mm. we do not have a budget as far as for, nobody's paid. Myself and the other person, my, my co-partner, we're, we are support-raising missionaries, so we're the only ones that get paid, but that's only if we raise the support to be paid. Everybody else is volunteers, and it's totally, we, we're, our whole goal is to raise up local volunteers from the area so that in time we can maybe go begin another, quote, vine house on another part of the west side or never another part of town and have that one continue to sustain because it's really when it's locally owned when people take ownership in themselves and in their community that's when there's their sustenance so volunteers are the key and Cheryl, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned it earlier in the program about community health evangelism. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's worthy to talk about the principles and, and very interesting uh, challenges and how to roll that out in the urban environment. Uh, but it's uh, it rolled out originally in, in uh, underdeveloped countries, third world countries. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about CHE, community health evangelism, and, and the principles involved. LifeWin's strategy is community health evangelism, which is basically it's reaching the community, like, kind of like what I just said, with the local, raising up local people and reaching one person at a time, one life at a time, one heart at a time, and helping that person to see their need for Christ and, and Lord willing, they will in time accept the Lord in their heart. Some people don't, and I think it just kind of weeds itself out because those that are serious and really want to, you know, come where the strength is, which is the Lord, 
they come around and in, in the community health evangelism process, it's it's, um, it's kind of a four step process of reaching one individual. One individual we look at in a, in a holistic way. That's holistic with a W, which is physical, spiritual, social, and emotional. Because in each one of us, whether we've ever been an addict or not, those four things, those four components are a, necess- a necessity to being really healthy and whole as a person. You know, if one of us has a physical need, we're not going to be whole. If we have an emotional need, we all know because we all go through different times of, you know, right. depression or maybe, right. you know, financial strains, whatever it might be. So that's the principle of reaching each and every life and the community at large. Because one life will multiply to two, to four, to eight. It's a multiplication process. And I think one of the wonderful principles involved is that indigenous uh, participation, mm-hmm. where we're not coming, we're not doing it for people. You know, we're exactly. we're modeling, we're we're uh, giving them the tools, uh, not only to uh, build their community and and make it a healthier place, but also giving them the the spiritual tools as well that uh, that they would share. And right. I, I, there, there's tremendous power, I think, Cheryl, in that uh, aspect of of discipling the local person to go out in his or her own neighborhood and, mm-hmm. and spread the gospel there. It is. It's, it's difficult because I think the the hardest thing for urban America, which I know in third world, Che, is so much more um, successful in the fashion that people are so hungry and open for, for help. Mm-hmm. Here they're not. We have free food, free clothes, and free money with our government system, and it really stifles people into mm-hmm. dependency on the system. And we're trying to create depend- interdependency on God, but they have they don't have a reason to change. There's no reason for anyone to want to need to change. It has to come from a want within their heart. And it's only and our our whole strategy is based on development of that individual, not just relief. Amen. If somebody if Elaine yes. comes to me and says, you know, I need I need a refrigerator, well, I can get you a refrigerator, but you know that's not really going to take care of the long term need. Right, right. So we try to really work with the long term. A lot of what we hear is they come and they want a job. They need a job because they need money. What do they need money for? Drugs. Right. So that's really, we, we we try to walk them back in that process. Well, why why don't you have a job? Well, I got fired. Well, why did you get fired? We keep backing them into the point that they have a problem they need to deal with. That's why they don't have a job. And then we try to tackle it there, but try to get them to identify the problem themselves. Keep asking questions and, and working them backwards so that they come up with the, the problem and they also come up with a solution. There's a lot to helping and uh, facilitating people and discovering things for themselves yes. versus mm-hmm. trying to tell them, yes. you know. Right. A lot more effective uh, to allow them to and help them discover that on their own, isn't it? But they've heard a lot of people tell them things over and over and over. So until, they can, until we can actually identify it sometimes to ourselves, mm. we don't make changes. Because we don't want people telling us what to do. None of us do. That's a human nature that's built in us, I think. We kind of put up against that. But when they begin to identify it themselves, it really helps them to take ownership of their life and their problems and then help hopefully come up with a resolution for that. It's not. It's a process. Like you said, Elaine, it's a long process. Mm -hmm. And it's not enabling them to repeat those same dysfunctional and unhealthy patterns, but actually coming alongside them, as we say, and let them discover some of the answers for themselves. We had a guy today come in, for example, and this is a typical example. He comes in, he was just distraught because the recovery home he lives in, the guy wanted him to go do something, and he didn't want to do it. So he told him no, so he was going to leave the recovery home, and we just prayed with him and encouraged him. I said, you know what, this is not only your recovery manager, this is also your employer. Mm. And he's the employer maybe is having a hard time separating the two, but this guy was just, I'm not going to do it. And so we just prayed that his heart would be humble and that he would consider this as his job. And by him telling no to his recovery manager, basically he was saying no to his employer. You do that to an employer. If, you know, if somebody's got you hired and you say, no, I'm not going to come in today, I don't want to do it, they're going to fire you. 
And plus, you're letting him down. He's counting on you for the job. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just found out later tonight that he ended up going and doing the job. Oh. It was against mm-hmm. every bone in his body this morning. He was not going <laughs> to do it, but mm-hmm. just praying him through it. And, you know, because this is a hard month for me, and I need I don't need to do this because my dad died three years ago. And it's like, three years ago? Hello? What are we holding on to after three years? Mm-hmm. We need to deal with something a lot deeper, so we're going to work with him on that. But he's just not willing to let go yet. The importance of prayer, Cheryl, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Tell right. us how we can pray for you and, and maybe how big a part prayer plays in the ministry there at the Vine House. Boy, prayer, prayer is just the number one thing for yeah. safety above all because we are in a very volatile area. We know it, but at the same time we get quite comfortable in it because we know the people and probably a lot of them have guns on them. You know, We don't mm-hmm. even know. So we know that we're in a dangerous area. So safety and just for the hearts of the people to have the desire to want to change our prayer is that people will get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And we have some that they just come and I'll just look at them and say, you know, well, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Do you still see yourself homeless, living in the van or, you know, doing this? Well, no, I know. I, I, that question keeps weighing on my mind ever since you told me about a month ago, that question. And um, so prayer is just essential. That's the only thing that's ever going to change these hearts. Cheryl Van Horn and Bob Hicks, we will hold you and the Vine House and all who come through those doors close in prayer to our Lord. Who Thank can you do so much for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank you, dear friends. Thanks at home for listening or wherever you are in the world. Join us again next time. And until then, may God continue to bless you.